Hello and welcome to another episode of Contramundum. Merry Christmas, CJ. How are you? What's new? Uh, sorry for everyone to everyone that uh, CJ made us late. It was us. I did three deadlifts uh, on camera. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I was driving as fast as I could. So how's that? That's that's true. I mean, the speed limit in California is now 17 miles an hour. So we can yes. we can thank, we can yes. thank the California government for that. Oh, what else? What else is new? Uh, what uh, what have you been it's, writing, tweeting about? I uh, I don't well I've been tweeting a lot I think um, I don't remember what I've been tweeting about so you'll have to tell me and we'll talk about it. Um, oh good! I've been so busy. This is the week before Christmas. This is when I like to like just hang out with the kids, and it's just been insane. So I apologize to everybody. I've been like tweeting out hot takes without even thinking. So maybe we got good content in there. Maybe not. Who knows? I mean, that's that's all I ever do. What are you talking? About? <laughs> hot takes without thinking that's, that's just fire from the lip uh let's go uh so no i mean really uh you know we titled the episode <laughs> happy kwanzaa <laughs> we titled the episode you know what uh what is wrong or what is terrible about our democracy i think yeah why is our democracy so terrible um and and really to discuss the post-war consensus we use that a lot cj tweets that phrase at least once a day it's it's actually part of his contractual obligation it's here true. Contramundum, uh, and uh, so sometimes I've got a few people saying, "Hey, what does that mean? Uh, you use that phrase. What does it mean?" I mean, Wolf Stephen Wolf uses it quite a bit too. Yeah, uh, he uses it in his book too, if I recall correctly. And so, um, you know, the floor is yours, CJ. You're you're the uh, academic uh, here. Uh, well, what does what is the post-war consensus? What is it? The post-war consensus is like um, it's how we dealt with. The crisis of the, you know, the collapse of Europe, basically. So, um, you know, it, it, I mean, it, it really you need to in order to understand, you know, how these things work. You need to go back to like, um, you really need to go back to like the French Revolution and the upheaval in Europe in the 19th century and all that stuff. But basically, at the dawn of liberalism and Marxism and and traditionalism, those were like sort of the triad of of different uh, instincts that that people would have, and um, you know, Europe did not come into Americanism very um, pleasantly, you know, you could say. And Europe was very diverse, you know, all these different countries, the nationalism, you know, the upheaval that happened because of Napoleon and all that stuff. People were dealing with their own problems and their own way of doing things. Um, and, you know, American America was rising to the scene. But basically, during World War II, there was um, a collapse of old Europe uh, World War One, actually, the collapse of old Europe, and then the rise of the two great systems of modernity, which were uh, like managerial liberalism and um, socialism, communism. Right. So those were the three, you know, struggling um, powers uh, or, or ideologies, you could say. And the question in America became, how do you deal with um, challenges from the the right and the left how do you deal with so-called fascism and how do you deal with communism you need something some sort of consensus that we can wrap around so that we are avoiding the extremities right we don't want to be too far to the left we don't want to be too far to the right what is the the happy center that can please both parties and that was basically what the post-war consensus was we can never we can never turn to fascism uh nazism was terrible we have to do something about you know the right we have to do something about the revolutionary right but at the same time we don't want to be um, you know, formally communistic, you know, so, so the post-war consensus was basically the establishment's way of dealing with the extremities. So they, they created this, you know, this new order that, that, um, was exported to the Western Europe. Um, and, and basically went all the way to, you know, where Soviet Union's boundaries were on the East. Uh, so we basically created this consensus and it was the ideology that was to be exported to handle Western Europe after Soviet Union collapsed, the post-war consensus basically went global or it tried to, you know, we had a lot of you know hegemonic activities that attempted to go global. So when I say post-war consensus, that's the context. So what does it mean? Well, it's basically um, adherence to the the wisdom of the experts you know the well-trained those that gone up through you know have their high degrees that have a lot of expertise and all these various bureaucratic administrative mechanisms um you know they were the ones that were going to bring us into utopia another aspect of the post-war consensus is multiculturalism the importance of uh the propositional nationhood of individuals belonging 
um, not to like nations with a particular past and people, but belonging basically to the, what I call the cult of humanity, you know, so this is another aspect of the, of the um, post-war consensus. And so all these, all the, this, this was sort of like the, the hubris of Americanism in the world is the post-war consensus. It is the establishment that, um, you know, stretches from the Republican Party to the Democratic Party. It covers neoliberalism. It covers neoconservatism. It's uh, obsessed with democracy. It uses, it wraps itself in the rhetoric of individual rights. Um, it, you know, so all of the, all of the things that we've learned since, uh, since childhood about the American founding, basically all the phraseology, the frameworks, the paradigms, those were basically twisted and morphed into the service of the post-war consensus. And mm -hmm. this is kind of the, the, the ideology of the new world order since 1945, basically until it collapsed, it collapsed with Obama. And now we're seeing the repudiation of the post-war consensus and the rise of the woke left. Uh, and that's, that's why, this is why I say this again and again, liberalism is not leftism. Lift, mm -hmm. Liberalism is the assumption that we can depoliticize things and there won't be any problems. And I keep emphasizing again and again, that model failed. What we're seeing now with the woke left is not liberalism. It's basically no. showing the weaknesses of liberalism. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, um, yeah, that's a good point. I think so, you know, post-1945, it, you know, it takes on, you know, this aspect of, um, you know, very egalitarian view of, of, of rights, right, that um, – that all people everywhere should have, you know, one, a right to vote, right? So where does like civil rights act stuff come from? It comes out of the post-war consensus because we want every single person, every adult in America to be represented, to have a say, to have a vote, right? That's an aspect of the post-war consensus. And so therefore you rid, you're rid of, of hierarchy. Uh, and, and of course, you know, growing up, like we were steeped in this, at least, you know, I went to public school and so you're steeped in this and, and, it, and it's, it's almost in, you know, an elementary school and middle school way of, of like Fukuyama's end of history where we've reached the apex. We've progressed to the top and here we are. It's all over now. It's there's no there's there's no frontier after this, you know, politically, progressively. Yeah. What, what was that tweet by Scott Annual uh, about like how we don't even have to like defend like defend ideologically defend democracy because it's just no. a given. It's just like obviously the most correct system. Um, yeah. That's, that's representative of the hubris. Like you yeah. just, you can't question it. It's just, it's, it's part of built into human nature. It's like, it's obvious to these people as gender distinctions. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's or, and, when and, I say gender distinctions. I don't mean in roles because you can't no. say gender roles, but I mean like the difference <laughs> between the sexes. So yeah, precisely. And, and it, it's just, it's, it's like the baseline, right? They can't think of anything other than that. There's no, it, it yeah. is, is all there is, right? There is no possibility of some other type of system in their minds. And yeah. so there was a, there was an Owen Strayan tweet, I think, uh, uh, you know, I'm blocked, so I can't pull it up real quick. Uh, maybe someone can DM me the screenshot, <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, he was, he was, uh, you know, quote tweeting Elon Musk where he was saying something about freedom of speech. And he's oh. like, I believe in freedom of speech. And democracy, yeah, yeah. and it's you know he it, it sounds like you know Obi Wan Kenobi at the end. Of, you probably haven't seen this movie, CJ. At the <laughs> end of uh, Revenge of the Sith, where he's like, Anakin, don't. What about your commitment to democracy? <laughs> it's, yeah, dude. Yeah, they're like Hollywood larpers. That's it's funny. Yeah, yeah. Owen Strayan's tweets are so cringe. <laughs> We're. We're Jeffrey all blocked. Drado, we're all blocked. <laughs> I'm actually not. I'm actually not blocked by very many people uh it's funny yeah yeah cj's not cj's not blocked he plays nice he's a good boy well um, it, i i'm just i'm not i'm not i never attack people right only yeah. ideas no you I'm only get <laughs> you only get attacked that's <laughs> that's sure. what happens but uh no it, it is um it's but it, it, it is th this idea that there's nothing but um you know the the iteration of, of american democracy from like 1945 until about yeah 2008 Right. Like that, that is the only era of history that has ever existed. And uh, it is also um, like even even in terms of like viewing constitutional amendments, we saw this with the 
uh the satan statue here's it yeah here's a good comment uh <laughs> cj is only blocked by the silicon ring industry that's that's a deep cut there yeah uh, big, big silicon hates me that's true that's right um so anyway like they they, they can't fathom um anything before 1945 right they can't uh so you, like you see this with the the iowa satan statue right uh where it's like well we have to have secularism because if we don't then we have a theocracy and that's bad and it's like no actually like before you know 1948 or 47 or whatever um right. they didn't apply the 14th amendment to the states in terms of the first amendment right the states were you know had basically free reign uh to have prayer in school in public schools and have uh you know, establishments of religion, like uh, saying, I mean, you, you even in Congress still, you still have prayer uh, before every session mm -hmm. of Congress. Like they have a chaplain. People, and they bring different people, people like, are so bad on like first amendment stuff. It's hilarious. Oh, it's tremendously bad because, but because right. They're steeped in, in post this, in the post-war consensus, yeah. right. They can't think of anything other. They can't think of America before 1945. And how we viewed the First Amendment, how we viewed secularism or, or before secularism is enshrined in law, or they can't they can't even conceptualize it. Right. It's not even it, it's not even just like they can't think about it or 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 you know, come up with some theory. Like it, it, it cannot possibly enter into their minds or thinking. All that exists is that. And yeah, I mean, you see that like I mean, you saw that with uh, Jenna Ellis last week. Um yeah, we wanted to do a, a podcast. We were both way too, uh, uh, way way too busy, um, uh, just on on that issue alone and her kind of meltdown. Um, and it's it just like, I mean, for one, like you can, you know, I'm gonna alert. I'm gonna criticize Trump here. Um, like you could see why his election challenges didn't go very well because that's who's representing him, right? She just she doesn't um, understand the history of the law. And listen, I didn't go to law school, right? I had, I had one, I had one law class in college, like one constitutional law class. And, but I just, I've, I've read it. I've read the history. I've studied it. Like you see the progression of it where all these, how, how things change, especially throughout the 20th century. And mm -hmm. the, the question is, right. It, it, and, and so much of it is they think it's, it's immutable. Once you've entered the uh, post-war consensus, Right. You it, it cannot possibly change. You can't ever go back to the way things were before 1945. Yeah, uh, you, it's, it's simply not possible whatsoever. And and so, I mean, the question I have for you is like, what role does you know the Civil Rights Act play both in the post-war consensus and in the current you know, wokeness? Um, yeah, that's that's it's funny because um, one of the great phrases that's come about on the on the new right online is the um, the civil rights regime. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it because it really is a founding. Um, it's a founding like legal phenomenon that really carries the post-war consensus um, all the way through, uh, you know, American social life. Because what happened is because in the 1930s. Um, you know, with, with the managerial revolution, mm -hmm. you know, the American structure was basically shifted so that it was doubt became downstream from the administrative state. That's what the managerial yeah. revolution was. And yeah. so the civil rights legislation could not have affected America like it did unless it was applied on top of a layer of managerialism. Like that's the only way it could have had that effect. And so what it did is managerialism laid the bedrock and then civil rights legislation came in and basically gave it the content and then all of a sudden things like race and sex and whatever else they come up with i mean these are this mm -hmm. is just a mechanism you can fill it with whatever you want it could literally be anything yeah yeah, yeah. i mean Any, you just create protected groups after protected groups. exactly yeah. exactly and, and and what what their objective has been and what what the fruit of their labors has been is basically there is one class of people who are not protect, not only not protected, but they're on the receiving end of the arsenal that they've created for themselves. And that's, um, you know, it's, you, you can, there's a lot of different categories for it, but it could be like white people in general, but it's also like white men 
um, in general, but all and more specifically, like Christian Western oriented white men, uh, you know, heterosexual white men. So, like, I mean, you can you can see like there's there's a certain class of people that were the founding stock of American social life are now basically considered to be um, social and economic outcasts. Yeah, Christian heterosexual white men that are over six feet tall with a uh, with a mustache. <laughs> yeah, right? they, they could just be refining it down to yeah. me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. yes, right. That's uh, that's it. Well, well, um, here's this is a good this is a good comment. Um, right, uh, Pete and uh, Thomas. You know, right, Pete from the Pete Kinona show. We've had him on, uh, in the past. Um, you know, they they basically termed the post-war consensus the Nuremberg regime. Um. And so, yeah, what are what are your thoughts on that? I mean, that's uh, yeah, that's, that, yeah, yeah, that's um, th- that's th- I think that has a great global reference or like um, foreign policy reference. Yeah, um, but civil rights regime really has much more of a domestic reference. I mean, obviously, we're yeah. exporting, you know, the, you know, the cult of the cult of multiculturalism to the Western world, and the reason it is effective is because we operate within the Nuremberg post Nuremberg framework. Um, yeah, 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 so, that, yeah that, that is a great frame. Yeah, I mean, especially in the like the geopolitical sense, it's a, it's basically like a bookmark or a bookend to right the Westphalian system of nations, mm-hmm. right? Um, that uh, existed after what is it fourteen? Uh, uh, fourteen wasn't it later you, than that? I thought it was fifteen. Or sorry, 15, yeah, fifteen forty-eight or sixteen forty-eight, sixteen forty-eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, uh, can't. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm failing yeah. here. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, 1648 to basically 1945 is the Westphalian system where you have you know nation states and there, there's basically a geopolitical order based around particular nation states and international law essentially was each nation state is its own entity and is treated as such mm-hmm. and there is they're they're on equal standing right whereas after Nuremberg you basically have this system of of global order where you have universal human rights and you no longer have nations like that that's that's the, the thing about like like Nuremberg for example is right that's the first time there ever were like international criminal courts you know trying exactly. for war exactly. crimes and things like that because that, that stands outside the the Westphalian yeah because it's like, that, because that it's happened during World War One this is what I mean you could talk about Thomas seven, seven, we should talk about his work, you know, more and, and he's controversial and I, and I get that, but he's extremely insightful. He's not very erudite like me. He's not very, uh, like I'm not either. Like we're, we're not, we're not good orators. We're not good orators, but, but he's, he's really, he's a brilliant, he's, he knows his stuff. Um, uh, and I, I'm always, I'm, I always learn something from his, from his analysis. Um, you know, on, on things like that, because basically what he says is like the idea of an internet. And this is from Schmidt too. the idea of an international court. That's like objective and um, like transcend, you know, transcendent above like individual nation states is basically absurd. And the only way it's possible is when you have some sort of imperial hegemony, which is what America function that America plays. That's why it is the note post Nuremberg. Did you ever read, um, did you ever read Irving's uh, uh, Nuremberg book? Um, no, I haven't. You okay. never sent. It got lost in the mail. Apparently, you never sent. It to yeah, me. there's a lot of lost in the mail issues. Um, <laughs> but I did send you the Churchill's War book. But yeah. um, I will say, if anyone's interested in picking up an Irving book, actually, Nuremberg is the best one. It's it's yeah. ex- it's it like it'll it'll rock your world because I mean not only does you see the the the, the like the day by day proceedings of things and it's like really eye opening but you mm-hmm. can see the transformation even even like the I forget the main judge on the on the um American side I forget his I forget his name all of a sudden but like uh, he was like an FDR guy but like you can see he's a small town American like blue American kind of guy but you can mm-hmm. see even in the way that he's um confronting what's going on in Mm -hmm. uh nuremberg like he knows they're setting precedent for an entire new world like juridical system yeah uh and it's really phenomenal to watch this thing play out because they were making it up as they went and it's now the blueprint for how we deal with other countries Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but here let's go to a a funny question i'll answer this quick uh change of pace here (laughs) right what club are you using to hit the green in Steve Saylor's Twitter? Have you? Well, if I ever get to golf with Steve, you know, I mean, uh, I I'm, I'm partial to the seven iron, you know, that's kind of my, my, uh, 
jack of all trades uh, club. And so I just, I just hope I don't embarrass myself one day when I get to someday when I get to golf with Steve. Um, <laughs> Didn't you and, meet him once? No, I've never met him. Oh, uh, I thought you, I, I thought you were at an event with him. No, no, someday oh. maybe that'd be great. Nice. Um, He's a legend. He, he certainly is. Uh, but uh, no, I've, I've cal- somebody says ping. I've, I've, I'm a Callaway guy. Uh, so, uh, this, this, you know, back, back to the topic at hand though. Um, you know, Caldwell's, Caldwell's age of entitlement is required reading here. I, you know, I think we could do an on-air production meeting. Honestly, I think we should go through the book like chapter by chapter, you know, not, not reading it, you know, every, every word in it, you know, we'd probably get like taken down because of copyright, but also that would be super boring just to have us read the whole time. Uh, but rather, you know, take notes and, uh, and have discussion and, and then uh, may, that'll be a thing for the new year, right? Uh, next. It is, it really is required. Season two, yeah. Right. Yeah. Season two of Contramundo. We'll go through, uh, age of entitlement because that, that, I mean, for me, that was really the, I mean, I was already somewhat skeptical of, of, you know, civil rights act and things like that, just kind of because of my libertarian background, um, and, mm-hmm. and how it, how it broke down, uh, you know, basically freedom of association, right? You're not, you're not allowed to freely associate with, with, with whomever, or whomever you, you don't want to. Um, and, and, and it creates these protected classes, right? Mm-hmm. I was already skeptical of it. Well, for those yeah, reasons, exactly. But, exactly. Yeah. But I, I think especially being able to tie it to, and he, he wrote it, I think maybe like 2017, 2016 or 17 is when he wrote it, like right as Trump was, was taking office. Um, and as wokeness was really starting to become a thing. And so he was, I think, very deftly able to draw, you know, trace the connection and and really see kind of the proto wokeness throughout the 80s and 90s, uh, because all the same kind of stuff that was happening, uh, we 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 don't even remember any of it. Uh, but the things that he brings out in that book um, really show you that, like, it wasn't like one day they woke up and they want to tear statues down and and create a bunch of different holidays and, and things like that. Like that was, that's, it's been a long running thing uh, mm-hmm. for, for, you know, really the last 50, 60 years. Yeah. We can't just return, you know, to, uh, to George Bush one or something like this. This is long standing our problems. So yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so that would be, you know, I think that w- that would be a worthwhile, maybe like once every couple of weeks, we'll go through a chapter and then especially everybody, if they haven't read it yet, like they can read it and then, you know, read it along with us. Uh, that would be a good, that'd be great content. That's what we're all about is the content here on Contramundum. Um, and so, uh, yeah, a few people have, have questions about, uh, uh, Doug Wilson, DW, uh, I'll, uh, you know, well, well, maybe if we have time later, I'll get to, I'll get to those. Um, but, uh, yeah, go, going on with, with wokeness though, like, um, uh, Philip Derrida had a good, a good tweet today um, or a series of tweets basically talking about how you know, you have, you have people like, you know, James Lindsay and other, other people like that, that are like, you know, officially anti-woke and they'll concoct all of these, these theories about, Oh, it's Hegel and the Frankfurt school and all of this, these, you know, philosophical, you know, uh, systems. And it's that, that's what caused wokeness as if, Right. The, the purple haired freaks are like, you know, sitting in, in front of, of, uh, <laughs> of like Foucault and Habermas and, and like, they're just imbibing these things. That's what's really driving it. Like, of course it, you know, of course it's not, um, it is, it, it is what, or even, you know, he, he, uh, Derrida's tweet is you know, people that like to blame the Puritans like Moldbug. That's, that's, you know, his thesis and even Rothbard w- went there. Um, that there's there there certainly is a lineage from the the Puritans, where in the you know third or fourth generation of the Puritans, they uh, basically you know apostatized right they they became uh, yeah. more or less stopped believing in God but retained the the system of Puritanism and especially their post millennial system, and that's where you see like nascent progressivism right you see that growing out of there this is this was you know one oh, of yeah. Our- one of Rothbard's things. I think he's right. Right. If you, it's, it's a yeah. powerful system with used for good. This, and is, for evil. this is Gottfried. This is Gottfried's point too. Like the yeah. secularization of Puritan instincts is, was, is extremely important for understanding how we yeah. got here. Yeah. But, and this is Derrida, you know, Philip Derrida's point, And I think he's absolutely right. Is people will, will glom onto that 
because then then there's a system just like the people that glom onto like the Frankfurt School and, and everything else as though that explains everything. If we just understand these things and the the gene, you know the intellectual genealogy of these things, then we'll under then we'll understand and we can defeat wokeness. And it's like, yeah, if you do that, but you don't name the Civil Rights Act, mm-hmm. you're 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 like that's the elephant in the room, and it's it's filling up all the space. And it's like, and you're over here looking at this tiny little speck, which is you know the Puritan heritage of America. Like nobody nobody's sitting and reading like Cotton Mather. <laughs> any more than like than uh the frankfurt school and saying oh i'm gonna be woke now because i read cotton mather like no that's not that's not it at all it's no wokeness is because we create an entirely new you know constitution that governs the political order of america mm-hmm. that's what unleashed all of this mm-hmm. um so go yeah go ahead with this comment here no, I thought I think it's a good point. Like you know, it's just um, we have to be careful when we. I think it's like it's just a good yeah, point. Like instead of looking for root causes, um, I don't really have much more to say. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, I don't. I I, I don't much care for the term wokeness. There's, it's hard to find a good word though. Like yeah, you know. yeah. It's I mean it's kind of like Christian nationalism where it's like I I would prefer a different label like new Christian right. Like I like that a lot better. I, I do. Too. Yeah. But especially like Aaron Wren made some points about like nationalism and how like Americans are never going to, you know, accept any concept of nationalism, which I don't know if I necessarily agree with. Um, there's certainly a a form of nationalism that, that Americans love. Like you you look at early 20th century America and like pro-America stuff like Teddy Roosevelt kind of nationalism. Right. And that, which I think Trump largely embodies. And it's not propositional nationhood even though they kind of define it that way, like Trump will maybe talk that way a little bit. Uh, but it's more like you're an American. We're, this is America. We, we love our country. We love our history and our heritage and all of this. Um, I, I love, yeah, I love Teddy Roosevelt. He's like, um, as a man, yeah. like <laughs> I, I, I don't quite understand how he didn't see it coming by creating, like, you know, p- participating in the creation of progressive state. <laughs> the, yeah. I don't really, I, I, it's, it's hard, I have a hard time wrapping my head around that. Uh, but he's just such a cool guy. Like, yeah. man, I would, well, I, I wish he was like, I wish he was here. Like, the, you know, uh, he would be like, he'd be so heroic right now. Like, you like if, him, you like him because he was a man. He was like five eight. You know, you. That's why. Hey, uh, <laughs> I, I have his picture that where he's standing over um, this here, like right where I live. Um, I have a picture of him upstairs, um, yeah, and so yeah. that's that's why I like him. Well, um, no, I mean, he's like the quintessential American. You know, like, and I remember, you know, both of us during our libertarian days, we were kind of, um, or at least I was, I won't speak for you necessarily, but I was kind of, I, I adopted this like anti TR stance because he was kind of in the pocket of JP Morgan. Like he was a JP Morgan, you know, uh, uh, top guy. Uh, he was his guy in Washington for a really long time, but at the same time, it's like, well, that's, that's just how politics works, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's, that's the reality of it. And, um, and even even so, everything he did at least is couched in the rhetoric of national interest, right? Every, like yeah. every speech, everything is like, what is good for our country? And maybe maybe certain things he did certainly weren't good for the yeah. country, but at, at least it's still within that paradigm. Yeah. Right? What is good he for also, America? I mean, he also has a strenuous life essay yeah. or a speech, which is extremely important today, like yeah. which is basically like today it'd be like the don't be gay speech you know like, <laughs> like seriously yeah uh, yeah. So. yeah no exactly exactly and uh and, and you know I, I the more i look at it like you know mount rushmore you know it's not it's not so bad uh to have those guys up there uh i'm i'm okay i'm okay <laughs> it's it's just it's you know it's part of our heritage now you know yeah. like like yeah like i mean but i i get it like those he he put us on a bad path like um like legally speaking, uh, I mean, like you, you wouldn't have had a managerial revolution if it wasn't for the progressive movement. Yeah. And, and he, you know, he tilled the ground for um, for Wilson to be president you know, and do the things that he did during the First World right. War. Like exactly. He, exactly. And, and also another J.P. Morgan guy. Um, yeah, but it, it is pretty like I, I have my problems with like American imperialism, like the Spanish uh, mm-hmm. you know, American war and stuff. But like the idea that he like gathered his own militia and he's like, actually, we're going to go do this ourselves. That's actually pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, but that's, that's something that's so American. You, you just, you could, wouldn't find that anywhere else. Like it's no, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and, and I mean, there, there's so much, there, there's so much there. And, and just the, 
like a larger than life figure. Yeah. You, know, you, you don't have too many of too many of those in our history that are, that are just, uh, uh, and, and like, also you want to talk about like founding stock, like here is, yeah. here is the wasp of wasps. Right. Mm-hmm. And especially, you know, turn of the 20s or late 19th, early 20th century, right. This man who, right. He's like, he's always very sickly and weak and he's simply, uh, you know, willed himself to not, to not be sickly and weak anymore and be strong. Uh, yeah. you know, like that's, there's a lot commendable there, you know, uh, uh, five feet is a man. Let's. <laughs> Anything, anything under six feet is a manlet. As far as that's the, the official. What are you? Know, you are you? Are you six one, Andrew? What are you? I'm I'm six foot five eighths. No, you're not. Yeah, six foot. You're five not. Of an inch. Oh, no. I thought you guys. I thought you were saying six foot five. No, I'm six yeah. foot five eighths of an inch. Oh. I'm almost. Oh, okay. I'm almost six one. You know. I, 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 yeah. Hopefully, I'll keep growing. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. <laughs> I'm uh I'm five nine on a good day. <laughs> now, when you deadlift, that compresses your spine. That's why you don't deadlift, right? You got to stay tall. It's true. Yes, it's true. I'm actually taller when I eat well, too. It's interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Well, um, you know, I, I guess I, I think, you know, have we have we, you know, fleshed out the post-war consensus enough? Like, have we uh, have we? Yeah, but, but this is important because I think this is where we were going to with Owen and stuff like when you hear words like free speech, democracy, liberty, like um, like anything like that, you have to filter the meaning of these words through the post-war consensus now you mm-hmm. this is not 18th century america you can't use the language that the founders were um you know applying to our founding documents they had a completely different context and paradigm that gave definition to those phrases yeah. now when you use things like democracy you you basically mean all the things relevant to the interests of the regime you know, you have to be really careful about endorsing these things. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when you cling to the regime's paradigm, you have to realize that what you're doing in using words is you're not like you're not engaging in like Aristotelian reasoning or something like no. that. You're engaging in um, talking points for regime interests. Yeah. So like when you see Alexander Vindman talk about democracy. Right. Or, you know, any of these like like the Colorado Supreme Court. We we believe in democracy, and to have a healthy democracy, we can't allow insurrectionists, right? We'll define insurrectionist any any way we want, um, right? I mean, all these things. That's this is how they use these terms. Yeah, exactly. That's why that's why that's why removing Trump from the ballot is entirely consistent with democracy. Yeah, because democracy has a meaning how they define it. You know? Right, right. Consistent with their own regime objectives. Yeah, yeah. That it's not. It, it's not how, you know, and, and even, I mean, you even go back to like, this is kind of a boomer con, uh, you know, point, but it's like, well, America's a Republic, not a democracy. And it's like, well, yeah. And it's original conception. That's what it was. Yeah. Now but, it's neither. <laughs> yeah. And originally, right. Very few people are allowed to vote. Yeah. Right. That's the thing. And, and you look at that and in the post-war in like my post-war consensus upbringing in elementary and middle and high school, right. You're, you're, you're trained to believe that was bad. Right, only allowing property voters owners right. Right, right, uh, right. to vote. Only, only allowing you know men to vote. That it was evil and bad. And and I remember you know growing up in school thinking like, um, maybe maybe just because I was a contrarian, right? But thinking, but why? Why is that bad? Mm-hmm. Right? Why is that bad? Ex- exactly. Right. Well, it's not equal. It's not free. Right. And it's it's always like this egalitarian moralism. Right. Not everybody gets to. And it's like, well, and I remember thinking like, um, I would rather have, you know, smart people with skin in the game that are allowed to vote. I like, I I'm thinking like, you know, some, some crackhead has the same amount of rights as, as my dad, right. <laughs> who, who has a job and, and business and a business and, and things like that. Like, why, why does he have the same amount of say as my dad? That doesn't make any sense. Right. right. Some guy with, with, with no skin in the game who has, who is, you know, engaging in all sorts of, you know, completely self-destructive behaviors. Like, why is that okay? Right. Why is that, why is that the ideal? Right. And it's just because, well, you know, everybody deserves a say, right. And that's never questioned. Exactly. Right? You're not allowed, you're not allowed to question it. You're not allowed to say, well, I think some people should be allowed to vote. Right. Uh, that's, that is, that's like the most evil thing you can say. Like you say that to Owen Strayan and he would, he would, you know, um, Speaking of manlets, uh, he, would, he, he would lose his mind, right? He would go nuts, 
if, if you said, say that, or Michael O'Fallon or any of, the, any of those people in that crew, right? They would go, Jenna Ellis. Yeah. Right? That's, uh, that's the, I mean, especially like Michael O'Fallon, like this is, this is a, this is the funniest thing. Like if you were to go back to like the authentic liberties that we had at the founding era, yeah. well, first of all, things weren't like at this, at the state level, like they had established churches. They had established, yeah. they had like religious laws. They had blue laws, you know, they had all kinds of elements. So that's why the whole point of the constitution, the whole point of the first amendment was all the varying states with their established churches. They Got were, keep they were afraid that the federal government was going to do something about it. So like yeah. literally the point of the first amendment was to prevent the government from de-establishing them. <laughs> yeah. That's, this is the point in the last chapter so funny. Of, yeah. of like Orba's in my book yeah. is right. America at its founding was thoroughly Christian. You had established Christian, like you could debate the point of whether that's good or not to have established, you know, state established churches, right. Or various, you know, forms of religious establishment. You can debate that, but right. it's an incontrovertible point that that existed in American history. That is part of our heritage. Yeah. And that's why I say like, it's any counter of the post-war consensus. That's what I say. Any view, anybody pushing a view of the first amendment that cannot take into account the reality of established churches at the founding has a deficient understanding. They have a post-war consensus understanding yeah. of the first amendment. Yeah. They, they, they literally do not understand the history of American law, the American constitution and all of these things. So it, the, the great irony is these people are like, Oh, the constitution, the constitution. Ah, um, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> right. When they talk about the constitution, they are talking about the post-war consensus. They're not talking about, you know, yeah. uh, you know, James Madison and, and, uh, and the founding fathers, you know, getting together and writing the constitution, George Washington and, right. and so forth, putting together the constitution. They're not talking about that. They're talking about how the Constitution was viewed after 1945. Yeah, or, or 1965 with the yeah. uh, Civil Rights Act, right? So, yeah. like, that's really, I mean, it depends on how you want to interpret it. But in terms of the new Constitution, I would say the Civil Rights Act is really the thing that refounded America. Yeah. It's So it replaced the old constitutional structure with a new one. And, it, like, there are people that make good points about how Lincoln um, nationalized and centralized a lot of the, you know, the mm -hmm. dynamics um, that's true. Wilson made a lot of efforts too in FDR, of course, but you know, the tides changed once again in 1965 and um, we really are seeing the fruit of that. It's, it's hard to say like, are we, are we seeing the end of the civil rights uh, act or the civil rights regime and the implementation of something even if more far to the left right now, or are we seeing a continuation? Um, I, I always was of like, um, I always, not always, but in the last couple of years, I, I was under the upper of the uh, assumption that we're entering a new phase. Paul Gottfried thinks, thinks it's just a plain continuation. Yeah. I think I, I tend to agree with Paul. Yeah. That, uh, that it's, it's the civil rights act coming full bloom, mm -hmm. right? Where there are all the vestiges of the old constitutional order have been stripped away. Right. That's, I mean, that's part of it is right. Like you said, the post-war consensus is gone and dying. And, and that's, that's what's happening with wokeness is, um, and I, again, yeah, the commentary who said like the term, I hate the term, like the, we got to have a better term. We got to you know, put our thinking caps on and get a better term than wokeness. It's so, yeah. it's so obnoxious. Um, but yeah, right. What is it though? It's, it's that all these things, like when we talk about free speech, um, right. Uh, and this is the point I made with like Jenna Ellis, when she's talking about blasphemy laws and things like that is we we have them right we don't you don't have this free speech that you the the post-war consensus majorities think you have right it's just it's taking a different form right it's no longer you know someone with you know a badge is going to come put you in jail because you said something uh wrong right it's it's that um it's been uh taken across the board in every aspect of life where if you say you know a certain word of power publicly Right. You no longer are going to have a job. You're not going to be employable. You're no longer going to, um, you know, you're, you're no longer to be allowed in like polite society whatsoever. Right? Well, if it's like, say remember, remember when, um, that's, right. That's remember, a blasphemy law. Right? That's you, what it is. Do you, yeah, do you remember when, um, Ben, Shap when Ben Shapiro, um, was when like Nick Fuentes was just coming to the scene and Ben Shapiro was like, there are real racists out there. And he like listed like Ron Paul and others. Yeah, like, yeah. And, he, and he's like, these people should be sought out and destroyed. Like, yeah. 
like the the the, the conservative ink, like they they destroyed Sam Francis. Yeah, like you know what I mean. They destroyed Paul Gottfried. They destroyed uh, even like Murray Rothbard and stuff. Like mm -hmm. they they really like they are the people that hate free speech. Yeah, yeah. If they, yeah, like if they really believed it, they would say, well, you know, these guys are free to say whatever. We'll defend your right to say. Well, not say that. <laughs> right. You can't say that. Right. Uh, but that, and that's of course, how we yeah, and, and they're they're never they they would never make an effort. Um, like in, in in Europe, it's illegal to question the Holocaust. It's literally they will literally jail you. You go for, to jail for it, yeah, for publicly like. But I don't think these guys have a problem with that. They're not fighting for like they'll fight for the rights of Nigerians to have you know homosexual activities. You know yeah, they'll fight for yeah. that because like Ted Cruz will tweet about that. But Uganda, but, yeah, 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 but they're not going to tweet about like. But 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 I thought they wanted objectively fair and free speech for everybody in all no. opinions no no certainly no. not like that's that that's just it it's like there is there like this conception even even they like they're hypocritical about it right they don't they don't they don't actually believe in free speech mm -hmm. um and and so yeah but but they'll say that right they they use these these phrases even within the post-war consensus like there is, still isn't free speech it's just being able to talk about different ideas at harvard yard uh, and, and things like that. That's what they, right. That's what they want. And, and yeah, this is, I mean, yeah. Uh, Nate, Nate stole this from me, right. Nate Fisher's tweet on the principal difference between protecting Satan statues and public sodomy was spot on here. Like this I is, didn't, I didn't see that one. Did you see my tweet? This is, this is what, how O'Fallon blocked me and then threatened to sue everybody <laughs> is, uh, right. I said that, right. The, uh, I hate to bring this up because it's a family show. Uh, but the, the, t the Senate staffer, you know, the video, right. I don't even, yeah. I said, actually, you know, this was a satanic occult uh, sex ritual that they did. And so now Michael O'Fallon and Jenna Ellis and all these people have, you know, duty oh, bound. Yeah. Right, 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 you right. defend it, I right? Because yeah. it's a, because you have prayer in, in Congress. So this here, this is just another, this is a satanic ritual. And so you have to allow it, right? Uh, it, Nate cleaned it up a little bit, you know, made it <laughs> a little less tawdry. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's it's the same point, right? Under under that standard of of secularism, right? If if Satanism is okay, and Satanism, like you know, it, and it, of course it's a cringe, like LARP atheist thing, just to mock Christianity. But there are people that like legit believe in occult stuff. It's also meant to goad. It's also oh, yeah, yeah, you know, create tensions and chaos. That's why that's why yeah. I think it's completely legitimate to address it politically because it has political uh, import. Well, exactly. It, it is a um. It is, uh, I mean, you wouldn't, so, right. You see this in like France and England, right. Where it's illegal to, uh, blaspheme Allah, right. Mm -hmm. Or Muhammad, right. You're not, you're not allowed to, because, because they have so many Muslims there, they'll freak out and start killing people. Right. This is what, this is the, like the Charlie Hebdo thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and so you, because of public disorder, you're not allowed to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, it's the same thing. Like it, it, it's intended to cause public disorder. It's intended to, uh, to blaspheme Jesus Christ and, and, you know, legally, politically, you can't, you can't allow those things, mm -hmm. right? It's just, you know, and, and you look, you think back to like, you know, even a hundred years ago, right? If somebody attempted to go to Iowa, right? To the state capital in Iowa, and set up a, a satanic statue, right in the uh, in the Capitol building in, in Iowa. They they wouldn't allow it, right? Public they, they simply wouldn't, right? They would put yeah. the people they put the people who did it in jail, and no yeah. one would no one would think twice about it. Yeah, it's like a basic disturbing the peace law thing. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's just nobody would. There would be no question about it. it would even make the papers. <laughs> it would right, be in like right. the back of the paper. Here's some some weirdos that did something <laughs> stupid. Uh, that's that's what would happen. And so yeah, that's that's but that's the point you know that Nate made and I, I made is is that right, there really is no distinction between these things. If this is a if this is a religious right um, among occultists, you have to allow it under secularism. You gotta allow if you have prayer, you gotta allow this too. And <laughs> and. You know, yeah. really, like, I mean, they're not going to say that. They're not going to assent to that. They're going to say, no, you know, we can't allow that. Uh, but if they're consistent, right, they can't. They, they 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 would have to say, yep, that's acceptable too, right? That's fine. Um, and so, yeah, that is um, that's that's the the thing. And so I guess, like, 
looking to the future, right? That's that's the thing we constantly do on this show. Like looking to the future. I look to the past. Yeah, I know. Oh, well, in order to look to the future, you have to look to the past. <laughs> okay. All right. um, so it's okay. It's okay. Um, but thinking about the future and and where things go from here, right? I, I think, and you can, you can you know, I, I don't know where you're at, uh, but you can disagree with me. Um, totally okay. But I, I think that as the post-war consensus recedes from memory, that as as people who are capable of thinking for themselves look at the situation, look at the way things are, particularly on the right, right? Because on the left, it's it's gone and dead, right? That's they they have they they don't even pretend anymore on the left mm-hmm. that it's still in operation. But on the right, you still have, especially the major, you know, the Daily Wire, you know, Ben Shapiro types, right? Still operate within that paradigm, right? That it still exists. We still have a constitution. We still have all of these things. Um, but I, I think as, as it recedes, more and more people are going to begin to realize, right, it's gone, it's over. And then what do we do? Mm-hmm. Right. What do we, how do we operate? Um, and, and you even see this, you're starting to see this with like, right. Cal- Colorado took Trump off the ballot. Well, now there are, you know, different States, you know, I don't know if they're actually going to do it, um, uh, because it's probably, you know, this tiny minority of people that think like us <laughs> that are putting forth these bills to take Biden off the ballot. I don't even know if that's the right political move on uh, to do exactly. And, and, but I mean, it could like say this happens, right. Say certain States say, or if you're going to do this, like here's a guy who is uh, very obviously committed treason and should not be eligible for, for the office of president. Um, so we're going to take him off the ballot in like Oklahoma or Georgia or wherever. Um, and so say, you know, my state, your state, Colorado, uh, all these, you know, far left states take Trump off the ballot and say a bunch of, you know, deep red states do the same with Biden. You could have a situation where, you know, uh, January of 2025, the House of Representatives basically selects who the president is, mm-hmm. right? Um, like you could, you, we we could be facing a scenario like that where it's like, well, no, Trump wasn't on the ballot in Colorado, so we're not going to accept those electors, mm-hmm. right? That would be, and that that's the thing that people need to be th- begin thinking about now, and like calling their state rep to say, no, you can't accept any ballots, any electors from a state where, the where the Republican candidate was not allowed on the ballot for spurious reasons. Because I I don't know, I mean, some people think that like, um. Some people think that that uh, the Supreme Court is definitely going to overturn the Colorado Supreme Court. Uh, what do you What do you think about that? Do you think that Do you think they're going to th- take the case? I think they. Uh, yes. You think so? Well, how are they going to rule? They're going to rule. They're going to rule against the. Uh, they're going to rule against. Uh, they're going to rule for Trump. They're going to pr- no. make him put put back on the ballot. I I think that it's too early. I think that there's too, you know they 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 can't get everything they want at once. Um, yeah. Although, like, there is the, like you said, like, uh, or could there be like a chain reaction and mm-hmm. all the states are doing this? And then this, then the Supreme Court, um, I don't know if they could control it. Yeah. Yeah. You there's a, a preference cascade of, of states doing this. Like, th- this is the thing, like, uh, um, yeah, uh, GOP have <laughs> spine challenge impossible, right? That's, uh, I mean, that that's it. Like, they, they don't, and that's, but this it's part there of were, it. there was there was talk of um and I, I don't know exactly how the um the rules work in in Colorado but there was talk of something about how the Republican party could change the rules to basically allow them to put Trump on the ballot anyways um yeah that that well, that for the primary they they would they would switch to a caucus right in Colorado right, right. so yeah. but that so but that's that's only for the the primary okay yeah so for the general election it would still stand they would not okay. have him on the ballot for the general election and and so then you're entering and, and, and the ruling is you, the secretary of state will not uh, count write-ins either. Right. That's the thing. Like I, uh, I tweeted, like, yeah, dude, there's a non-zero chance I'm going to have to write in Trump for in Minnesota. But if they do the same thing as Colorado, they won't count the write-in, right? They'll say he's ineligible. Yeah. And so I love, I love democracy. Uh, isn't it great? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it, it's, we're at a point where it's like, no, like the, the house of representatives would have to do basically what they honestly should have done in 2020 Mm 
mm-hmm. which is just refuse to accept the electors in the disputed states. Mm-hmm. Right. Say like, nope, this you didn't manage your election. And and the people challenging the election were correct that they have the right to do that. This yeah. is this is how it works. It, you know, you can who's only the, who's the lawyer in uh, John uh, something who's being like disbarred in California um, was the Trump attorney. I can't I, think of his name. I actually like that guy. What's yeah. his name? He has a funny, you know, fedora and, and uh, yeah. John, uh, I can't think. Maybe someone in the comments will. will, will Was it an actual lawyer or just a comment? Eastman. Eastman. John Eastman. Oh, John Eastman. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And like he was, no, he was advising the Trump campaign. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, 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 and basically has, uh, I mean, he has, he has all these like citations from like Harvard Law School people saying that, no, this is actually part of the constitutional order that, <laughs> Um, no, the, the vice president can challenge electors, right? That's why, yeah, you said, yeah, yep. of course, um, of course. And yeah. like, Cause why else would they do it? Why, why is it just a charade? Is it just a rubber stamp? Well, of course, you know? And so, but the problem again is it is, I mean, we go, it goes back again to the post-war consensus, right? So much of the GOP, and this is, this is what allows the GOP to be so cowardly mm-hmm. is they can, I mean, you look at that, that dork in, in Iowa, uh, uh, Representative Dunwell uh, with the bow tie, um, <laughs> right? Saying, you know, and, and the kind of rhetoric that he uses, it's the same thing. It allows you to be a coward, right? It allows you yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to shirk That's- the responsibility to do, to wield political power, right? Right. When we've, in the past, when we've talked about, you know, DeSantis in a good light on uh, the things that he's done in, in Florida um, is, you know, very early, way early on, you know, before he ever started running for president, uh, we said, well, I, I like him because he is, he's using the state of exception, right? There was a clip we played probably episode like two or three you know, way back um, where it's, he's, he's, he has the state of exception. He's going to use it. And this is totally unlike anyone in the, in the GOP. Um, and, and, and that's, that is how uh, going forward, people have to think about politics, that it's that, that the rules are gone. Right. You have to you have to wield power. Like you have you have states, you know, uh, flaunting, uh, uh, flouting uh, the Constitution. Right. With like sanctuary cities, for instance. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's part of the post constitutional order. Right. They just do whatever they want. And it's right. the same. It's the same thing with things like this, where um, how many divisions does the Supreme Court have? Right. Uh, the governor of Iowa, if she operated like DeSantis did, at least during covid. um she could just take that statue down with an executive order and let the court settle it, right? Have have a bunch of lawsuits and everything else, right? That's that is the uh, what has to be done, right? Wielding power on on the behalf of your people, right? Viewing politics in in the Schmidtian sense of friend enemy distinction, right? That that is how anyone in the GOP who is going to have a future uh, needs to operate, not just fall back on my constitution. Right. That, that, um, you, you are going to fail. And, and anybody who acts that way and talks that way is, um, is, you know, tantamount to an enemy, right? Mm-hmm. They are through their own cowardice. They're helping the other side, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's how we have to look at it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, not that they are enemies, uh, necessarily, uh, they might do some good things that benefit us, um, and benefit our side, our people, uh, but they're going to continue to help the other side and, and harm uh, people to their right. Uh, that's, that's how it operates. So, well, I mean, what do you, what do you think about, so I've, I've gone on talking about the future and things like that. How do you, how do you see it going? Is it, are we just going to have Ben Shapiro, um, a constitution types forever? Um, no, no, or- there, no, 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 no. This is what happens when you, when the consensus fails, people, yeah. f- people cling to the um, extremities. People radicalize very quickly. Yeah. That's what that that's literally that's the point. That was the point of the consensus in the first place was to yeah. p- keep people from going uh, to the margins, from yeah. becoming far right or far left, yeah, right? Ra- so yeah. So what? So what? What happens when the uh, when the when the rugs pulled out of everybody? Yeah. You know, you have to you have to pick a side, right? There. Yeah. So that's that's what's going to happen. Is 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 everyone's going to go to the extremes? Uh, the problem is all the institutions are on the left, yeah. right? And the conservatives, you know, conservatives, conservative Inc. Uh, you know, the donor classes, the Republican Party schmucks, they <laughs> refuse, they refuse to jump to the right. They, yeah. They're not going to jump to the left either. So they're just going to stand there and fall through the center. 
Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. they're just going to go, they're just going to become completely irrelevant. That's what yeah. I think. I mean, I think, I think the, you know, example of, of how to fight the institutional battles, which is what we have to do. Like this is a discussion, you know, we're, we only have like five minutes left. Um, but, uh, the discussion is, uh, you know, uh, you, you have and, and, and all the time where you see this, we, we I kind of wanted to read the, uh, mystery grove, uh, Substack about, uh, uh, civil war and things like that. Maybe that for another episode, maybe next week, I think next week we'll maybe do a year in, in review, uh, before the new year. Um, but, uh, it, you have people where anytime I criticize like uh, national divorce and, you know, a civil war, cause that civil war movie thing, you know, came out, which looks really stupid. Um, you know, people, people talk about this and they, they act like the two things, the only two options that we have are just vote Republican harder and uh, you know, uh, fed posty kind of stuff. Right. Those are our two options. That's it. And it's like, no, there's so much more, more options in between those two. Right. Um, and one of them, I think the, the, the prime example is the things that, that uh, Christopher Rufo is doing. Um, I mean, he is, he's taking advantage of kind of the, the dividing lines within the coalition of the fringes, as you know, Steve Saylor puts it, where you have, you have, you know, very powerful, you know, Jewish interests that um, are very upset at the the president of Harvard because she wouldn't condemn um, there. She was condemning Israel mm-hmm. before Congress. And so they want her fired. And so he's, he's, you know, swooping in and taking advantage of the conflict on the left. And, and it's, you know, people are like, well, it's not even about that. It's about the plagiarism and everything. Well, yeah. He's using that as the wedge right. uh, to drive uh, and to get her fired. And mm-hmm. of course, who are they going to replace her with somebody, somebody similarly left wing, but to get, you know, a scalp to hang on the wall is, mm-hmm. is good. Right. Mm-hmm. And you finally be able to like push back against these people. And it won't be someone as extreme as Claudia Gay. Right. That's, that's the other thing. It's like, even if you, you nudge it back a little bit, right. You fight. And, and the, the big point is that these, this important, and it's an important institution, right. People are like, Oh, Harvard is Harvard. Doesn't matter. Yeah, Harvard matters a lot. Harvard matters a lot. And so if you're able to put pressure on an institution like that, that's totally captured by the left, that is a very, very good thing. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's a replicable thing because all of these university presidents at, at Ivy leagues and every, every, everything down the hierarchy of colleges, all of like all of academia is a joke. They all plagiarize everything. Every single one of them, the people that advance to the top are people like Claudia Gay, who are, you know, uh, diversity hires, right? Mm-hmm. No one on earth thinks that she didn't get hired because she's, you know, a black woman. Like everybody knows this, right? They'll just lie about it. But that's, she's, she's in that position because she's a black woman, right? Not be, on the merit of her great scholarship. <laughs> and, right. and so, right, of course, there's going to be holes all throughout everything mm-hmm. that she's written in academic, you know, journals and so forth. And so you can take this and duplicate it every single other place. Yeah. And, and so those kind of things, are massive and you know point again in DeSantis's credit is he's used like Rufo has has done work in Florida he's empowered him to do these kinds of things and other governors other people with executive power uh in in our states that are you know at least ostensibly on our side should be using him and finding people like him right it's yeah. not like he's just so unique I mean he is he is a unique guy and really really bright and very very wise and clever you know you know yeah Chris Rufo shrewd operator yes he is Right. It's not like he's the only there's 300 million people in the It's not like he's the only one that could mm-hmm. do this kind of stuff. We mm-hmm. should have dozens of guys like him. Yeah. And so you see like all the donor money and everything else should be good, just the coffers should be open. I think guys like, like him. I think people like like James O'Keefe, uh, I think yeah. they, they their type of minds would be way more effective doing what Chris Rufo is doing. Like his yeah. stuff's great. Like I, I appreciate what James O'Keefe is doing, yeah. but it's kind of like clickbaity now. But yeah, like Chris yeah, Rufo is actually is actually engaging in political struggle. Yeah, and it, exactly like that's that's where I mean fighting institutional battles like that like it really matters. It yeah. really does, and so that's the in between, right? When people are like, "Ah, oh, no, we need to be ready for the Civil War." It's like, no, 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 no. Don't even think that. That's well, that, but don't, 
Don't. I I had a tweet about Civil War because I do think that they're prepping their narrative posturing, yeah. and you know they are prepping. There's going to be more violence. There's like, a reason why they're making that movie. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. of course. Yeah. It's yeah, they're 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 training your narratives. They're training. Um, they're, they're trying to goad people into mm -hmm. taking action. You know, they're they're gonna there's gonna be a lot of entrapment stuff happening in the next couple yeah. of years. Yeah, it's not so. like they just the the Michigan governor thing happened. And they're like, well, we're not gonna do that again. It's like no, no. They, they literally yeah. did it again a few months later on on Epiphany 2021. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they're going to keep doing that kind of stuff, and especially it's going to get the, way worse. People in the whole become... Christian nationalist, you know, uh, conversation yeah. world. They, they I said this. I said this multiple times. Like James yeah. Lindsay is correct that it's. He says it is an op. That's stupid. It's going to be yeah. used as an op for sure, exactly. though. For yeah. sure. So no, they want to stay vigilant. Don't don't be stupid. You're not gonna. Yeah. You're not Do gonna not save... take the bait ever. Yeah, you're not gonna save the world in. You're not gonna save America by doing something stupid. So. No, no, there, there is not like, do not even go down. That's, that's the thing I, when I, when I counter signal, uh, civil war type stuff is right. That is what right now, that's what they want us to be thinking about and, and pondering and doing like, that is not, that's not the road to go down. They, they're, it, it's like, I mean, the classic trap where they just make it look like, Oh, here's, here's what you should do. Here's what you should say online. And, and you're, you know, and it's like, no, don't do no. it. Don't even don't even think about that. Like that is like that and, grandpa, like the grandpa they murdered. Right? Yeah. 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 That that guy who's you know, old guy who uh was fed posting on, on Facebook and you know saying really violent, crazy stuff where he could barely walk and he had you know a mentally disabled son uh that relied on him to take care of him, and they went and snuffed him out. They're happy to do it. Like, don't Exactly. First rule of Fight Club: Assume the other guy's a glowy. Yeah, exactly. Like that. Yeah. That is that's one hundred percent. Like, and, and and anybody who like, if you're in a group chat with people, they're like, we need to get ready for yeah. the boogaloo or whatever. Like, no. yeah. like that guy is probably on the payroll. Yeah. Right. That's what you need to assume. Right. You need to you need to have people that uh, that are not like that around you uh, because they they want it. Right. They want bad people that are seem to be on our side that maybe are not stable to, to go off. Right. Mm -hmm. They want it so bad, right. Mm -hmm. They'll do everything they can to make it happen. So don't do that. Yeah, like the don't meme, even entertain the like it. Poking the stick at us and say, do a fascism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't, don't yeah. do that kind of stuff. Don't even, don't even like it. Let it occupy space in your mind to think about. Don't even, don't even go there. Um, because that's, this is what they want, right? This is what they want. Um, that is, you know, that's my message for Christmas. Don't, uh, don't fed post. Don't, uh, <laughs> don't, don't let them turn it into an op. Right. Yeah. That's don't let them make James Lindsay. Right. 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 That, that is my, like the worst thing in the world is to allow that guy <laughs> to be able to say, told ya. Right. We don't, we don't want that. Um, we want, All right. we think... want political order is what yeah. we want. That's, um, that's all the time I have today. Yeah, me I, too. I got kids. One of them is probably going to fall off the porch in a minute. So yeah, we can't have that. Uh, no, but uh, on this show, we say Merry Christmas. We do. Yeah. Right so, here. Yep. Christ is King and Merry Christmas to all of you. Uh, stay dangerous peacefully and we will see you next time.